and stick to football. We're going to have some fun. Happy Valentine's Day, by the way. We're going to go through some cash or trash NFL rumors. We're going to look back at the 2017 draft, answer your draft on draft questions. But we want to start this off with some good news and some bad news. Some good news. We have our Indianapolis meetup booked February 29th, 2 p.m. at 2D Brewing Company, the same place we've been the last two years. So if you're going to be in Indy for the Combine or if you live in the Indianapolis area, we're going to hand out a couple free beers to everybody who comes in. So come check that out. Now, the bad news, Monday is President's Day, and we're going to do something we've never done on Stick to Football. We are taking a holiday, and not like the Peppa Pig British kind, but we're taking a holiday day off. BR Studios closed. I am getting out of town. If the banks aren't open, we're not open. <laughs> right? So no stick to football Monday. I know that one dude who left the iTunes review where he lost his shit. Oh, <laughs> God, no. He's be back. <laughs> Can we get a wellness check on that <laughs> right. guy before Monday? Hopefully he has a good Valentine's Day. because No show Monday, but then Wednesday we'll be back. And I'll tell you, week of the Combine, we're going to be throwing so much material at you guys that you won't even know what to do with yourself. So. That is, uh, those are all the notes I have. Let's jump into the show. Mellow Connor, myself, check us out on BR's YouTube page. You can watch us do the show or listen here like you do on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you are. Guys, Miles Garrett is back. Not like Texas back. He's officially back. Miles Garrett reinstated by Commissioner Roger Goodell. I don't think any of us are surprised that he's been reinstated. Maybe just surprised by when it happened. Kind of a dead period here. Yeah, but I think the recency bias of when it, uh, first happened with the helmet incident. Everybody was calling for this guy's career. Uh, so I do like the fact that they suspended him indefinitely and then revisit it in January, February, the six games that he missed for the rest of the year. I think that was enough. I, I think that Miles Garrett probably learned his lesson. I definitely don't think we'll see him do it again. So to have him back to start the season, if you're a Browns fan, You've got to just be absolutely pumped to have this guy back for the full season. And I think the NFL did the right thing here. The six-game suspension, reinstate him, let him have his offseason, get out in front of it. You don't have to worry about it. And like you said, there's a little bit of a, a dead period here. Why not keep your name in the uh, in the spotlight if you're the NFL? Bring back one of your star players. It felt like uh, a really out-of-character moment, too, for Miles Garrett. And, and I know that doesn't forgive all, but I think when you're looking at I guess the lack of severity of this punishment, you know, it it doesn't extend into next year. I think that really played into it. Miles Garrett having such a clean background before something like this. So uh, I'm glad he's back and somebody else back with the Browns now or joining the Browns. Ryan Grigson is officially back in the NFL and will advise Andrew Berry. So an old face returns to the Browns and now a new face. Uh, Not a hire that I'm super pumped up about, guys, but. It's one that they clearly feel strong about over there in Cleveland. I wonder how Grigson will do not being the GM. Like, if he can just scout. Consult, yeah. Yeah, just do what he did that got him that Colts job back in the day. If he can do that, I have been a little hard on the Browns because they have this structure with a lot of people who don't have college scouting experience. So I think it's a positive to go get someone who who does have some experience in that. But uh, Ryan Grigson, not. Not going to warm any hearts when you talk about best GMs ever. I I mean, ruined Andrew Luck. And just the hires that are going on in Cleveland, it's hard to get behind anything and think like, oh, yeah, these guys, they know what they're doing. Like maybe it's a questionable hire with Gregson. If it were a good foundation of a franchise, you'd be like, okay, I I get it. They'll take a chance on the guy. But with Cleveland, I just I'm kind of questioning what they're doing. Yeah, I I think it's going to be a lot of eyes are going to be on Barry. 
and see how he differs from Dorsey and Sashi Brown. He obviously deserves, you know, a chance here before we completely just, you know, jump on, jump down their throats before they make any picks. But there's going to be a lot of eyes on this new Cleveland team. But having Miles Garrett back definitely is a huge boost because when he's on the field, he is one of the best defensive players in the entire league. Without a doubt. I mean, last year before the suspension, I think we were talking about it. maybe he's become the best D end in football. Then uh, the most punchable quarterback in the NFL causes him to, to rip his helmet off and swing it at him. It happens. Now, there was some movement on the college landscape that we have to talk about because, well, number one, because this is a football podcast and we cover college football, but also because it could have a big effect on the NFL. Mel Tucker, who was the head coach of Colorado, came out, uh, I believe, last week and said, hey, I'm not taking the Michigan State job. Uh, D'Antonio kind of suddenly retired there with some of the allegations going on about uh, paying recruits and, and all kinds of stuff. Mel Tucker says, no, I'm not interested. Michigan State strikes out with a couple other guys. They come back to Mel Tucker and say, we're going to pay you more than anyone in the Pac-12 can. Oh, and we're giving you $6 million for your assistance. He wisely took the job. I know a lot of people are shitting on Mel Tucker for doing this. I have no problem with it. If someone else offers you more money, you should take that job. Unless you're in like a great spot where you don't want to do that. I totally understand. Now, how this might affect the NFL Eric Bieniemy is the offense coordinator of the Kansas City Chiefs, who was famously a great running back at Colorado back in, back in the day. Eric Bieniemy has interviewed for seven NFL head coaching jobs and has not received one of them. A lot of folks are now speculating that he should go the college route. Go take the Colorado job, prove that you can be a head coach, and then that will springboard you to an NFL head coaching job. I don't know where you two stand on this, but I completely disagree with that. If he wants to be the head coach of Colorado, he should do it. Going to Colorado to be the head coach is not a springboard to coaching in the NFL, guys. I'm sorry. It might be a springboard to coaching at Florida, like Jim McElwain did, but it is not. You're not going to go from Colorado to the New York Jets. I mean, even look, Herm Edwards goes to Arizona State doing a hell of a job. No one's trying to hire him back into the NFL. Lovey Smith goes to Illinois doing a pretty good job. No one gives a shit. Eric Bieniemy going to Colorado, that's how you get lost. That's not how you start over. Yeah, I, w- I would agree with that. And I, d- I don't think that that's what's going to happen because I do think that next year, I think he's at the top of the coaching candidates for next year. Uh, the next time it cycles around, and I think a lot of these guys that were just hired, we've seen a lot of coaches here recently go one and done on their coaching hires. So I do think that Eric Bieniemy, he's already interviewed for a lot of these got these jobs. A lot of these guys are going to be replaced next year, and I think that he's at the top of the list. I don't think a move to Colorado is going to help him get his name out there more. I don't think they're going to see him do, let's say he goes to Colorado, and they go 12-0. and I don't think people are finally going to say, oh, yeah, you know what? Eric Bieniemy can be a head coach somewhere. I think they're going to see him next year with that Kansas City Chief offense that is going to be good. Like It doesn't matter what Eric Bieniemy <laughs> does. The Kansas City Chief offense will be good next year. That's I'll take my bias hat off. That's a fact. And his name's still going to be relevant because people are going to say, that offense is really good. The enemy's still there. Maybe we should go get this other Andy Reid disciple. Well, and Doug Peterson and Matt Nagy uh, mixed success. Doug Peterson's won a Super Bowl. Matt Nagy was coach of the year. So I, I think there's even a precedent. Connor, your team has Adam Gase as head coach <laughs> of the New York Jets. If Gase struggles like he did this year, uh, I know they won some games down the stretch, but we all know that was because of competition. I mean, Eric Bieniemy has got to be a dream hire for you guys. Yeah, they've interviewed him before, and I know a lot of people will say, well, Mike McCagnan did those interviews. The problem is the owner really did those interviews in Christopher Johnson. So 
Uh, maybe he'll give him a second chance, but for whatever reason, the owner hired Adam Gase over Eric Bieniemy. That has not gone well. That's gone exactly as you would imagine. So, yeah, <laughs> he'll, he'll be on the radar, I would assume, again. And also, guys, my question here is you're the offensive coordinator of the team that just won the Super Bowl, can easily win another one or two more in the next couple of years. Is that not a better job than coaching Colorado? No, no insult to the fans of the Buffs around here, but that's not an easy gig. You're not strolling into Oklahoma, Ohio State, Notre Dame, you know, a legacy program with all these recruiting, you know, uh, easily recruiting spots. So for me, I, I don't. I think this is utterly ridiculous. I don't know why Eric Bieniemy would go to Colorado to prove he has nothing to prove. He's been an offensive coordinator on a team that just won the Super Bowl, like you just alluded to Matt there are going to be plenty of jobs opening up after this year one of those jobs could be the New York Jets a place he's interviewed for this guy doesn't need to prove anything and I would like his job right now more than a college head coaching job if I was Eric Bieniemy, and I think that's what it'll come down to especially in the Pac-12 where like the money in the Pac-12 is not that good which is a problem for them and we we could spend a whole show talking about how they need to get the TV deals done so that they can pay like the Big 12 and the SEC do but right now and and the Big 10 they're way behind and I would say take a page out of the Scott Frost playbook sometimes it's better to like be a legend at a school and just not come back. I think Scott Frost goes back to Nebraska and we're all like, oh my God, he's going to get Nebraska back to be in the black shirts, the Cornhuskers. They have sucked. Let Eric Bieniemy just be a legend to Boulder for the rest of his life. You go back. This is what, what does they say? You either live long enough to become a, a villain or you die a hero. Like, j- just stay away. I would and, stay away. And I don't think Colorado is like, I don't want to offend the people of Colorado. I really like your program. It's not like a... It's not a blue blood. It's not whatever we're going to call that next tier either. Like, it's a really good program. You just lost your starting quarterback. You lost one of the best players that's been through there in a long time in LaVisca Chenault. I, that program, there's a reason why the coaches are leaving like they are. I, I'm with you guys. I, I would stay in Kansas City for another year, ride that out. That offense will be successful. He, he's also that, left the program twice for NFL jobs. Yep. He went from running backs coach there to an NFL job with the Vikings, and then he went from offensive coordinator there to a running backs coach job with Kansas City. So mm-hmm. I, I, the writing's on the wall here, guys. He's had opportunities at Colorado, and he's chosen to bet on himself at the NFL level with lower-level lower assistant jobs. So I, I don't know why he needs to revert back to Colorado for a third time when he's right on the cusp of getting an NFL job that has run wrongfully eluded him recently if they want me to be head coach though i will live in boulder for two and a half million dollars a year uh sign me up sorry guys you are <laughs> page coon can t- come take my spot but the problem is they weren't paying him two and a half mil that's true paying what, him one and a half million i'd probably do it for that too i don't know what state income tax looks like there uh how about james get lasik we've joked about this as long <laughs> as i've known happen. you guys i mean he squints at the jumbo trying after every interception finally it gets fixed, and I hope he got this for free because the promotion and marketing possibilities from Jameis squinting after every – or doing the, the wide-eye thing for watch on YouTube. <laughs> I bet that impersonation was great. And now it's, now it's going to be fixed. Now, here's what I'll say as a person who has corrective lenses. All three of us do, actually. It doesn't make you smarter with the football. You can see better, but it doesn't make your decision-making any better. Did you? See, I I know you guys saw it, and I I wish I could remember who tweeted it. They said Jameis went from thirty thirty oh, to twenty yeah, twenty. Field that Yates. is the greatest. Field Yates did great yeah. tweet, amazing tweet. Yeah, I'm with you though. It's it's not going to help him decide where to throw the football. Was part of his problems due to the vision? 
we'll see. Uh, let's figure it out. I'm glad that he finally stopped being so stubborn. It was like, you know what? Yeah, let's give this a try. Uh, well, it took five years. As a guy that doesn't like sharp objects being around his eye, like I kind of get not wanting to do this. But at the same time, like millions of dollars here on the line. Might as well go get it fixed. See what you can do next year. Uh, if anything, at least work it into free agency now. You can be like, oh, well, we fixed his vision. So Jameis is good to go this year. He can be your starting quarterback. I do think it would be funny if just by the luck of the draw, he it cuts his turnovers in half and everyone goes, <laughs> it was the LASIK. It just, it feels like something like that is going to happen with Jameis this year. And it would be really, really funny to see. You cut his turnovers in half and he still turns the ball over 15, too much though. Right? Yep. It's great. It's really unbelievable. Say, as a colorblind person, I've wondered if he's colorblind because sometimes, uh, I mean, it's just, it's just I, not good. I'm not betting on any of that. I just think that he's he's a wild man. He, yes. That's how he plays. He's a gunslinger, guys. All right, last bit of news and notes. Medical marijuana passed in Ohio. Uh, smoke him if you got him. But being a Browns or Bengals fan is apparently not a good enough reason <laughs> to get medical marijuana. Now, I think you just need to spin that into, like, anxiety, depression, yeah, I think they just tried to slip one in there. Like, what are the reasons that you can get medical marijuana? And somebody was like, uh, what about being a Browns fan? Would that be good enough? And they were probably, well, let's go ahead and throw the Bengals in there, too, trying to squeeze one in. But it didn't work. I say good effort on them, though. I mean, I think that being a sports fan in general is probably good enough of a reason for me. I have one last question for you guys before we close out this segment because they had the Bleacher Report office in shambles today. And the debate was, and I have very strong opinions on this, but I want yours. Could this year's LSU team beat the Vipers XFL team? Oh, I think they would. I think think they'd beat them by two touchdowns. I think they would. LSU. I don't know who's on the Vipers. Uh, XFL. They're the supposed to be the worst XFL team. That's the reason for the debate. Okay. Yeah, it's LSU. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, right. So yeah. I, I'm pretty sure uh yeah, no, the Vipers, yeah, not good. But or any of the bad XFL teams. Yeah. But, I mean, I know we have this argument a lot of times with the NFL teams, and I think that's pretty ridiculous. But you look at the LSU roster, and if these guys aren't in the NFL, and the XFL still around, I think it's pretty safe to say that about 40, 45 of them could be on an XFL roster. I mean, this is a really good team. The quarterback, Joe Burrow, like you know that he's going to be at least Aaron Murray, which is a damn good XFL player. Uh, You know, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, he's going to be in the NFL. That skill position, the offensive line, yeah, I'm going with LSU, and I'll even take him like this year, suit him up right now, and I'm I'm taking LSU. And just 2020, I have 18 LSU players ranked. I think they got 16 invites to the combine. Like these are just numbers you never see. And their two best players might be underclassmen. In That's Jamar the Chase thing, and Derek Stingley Jr. It's like, there's t- it's not just 18 players in this year's draft. There's probably gonna be 12 in next year's class. I mean, they yeah. have the best receiver in the country and the best cornerback in the country that aren't in this year's draft. So Unfair. I thought you were in another ask. receiver in another corner that will probably go first, second round. I think I asked about the video of the guy punching the lady's seat when she reclined. <laughs> I want to kill them both. Like, well, no both one suck. is right. <laughs> right. I'm firmly anti recline at all times. Yeah. I think it's very inconsiderate, but that's not how you handle it. Number no. one, that's we, like the hottest know. debate on the Internet right now. I remember the first time I flew with a significant other, and I had not flown very much. But as soon as we, like, leveled out, 
that seat went all the way back into a larger man. And I just looked at her like, the fuck are you doing? I'm going to have to fight this guy now because you want to be comfortable for an hour and a half. No, get your seat up. Happy Valentine's Day. We'll be back (laughs) with cash or trash NFL rumors. It's time to play a little game. We call it cash or trash. Good call. Mel bringing this one back this week. Uh, This is where we tell you rumors, news, notes, even when you just say a player's name, and then we get to pick cash or trash. I'll, I'll go last. Let you guys, I get to play host on this one. Tom Brady to the Dallas Cowboys, cash or trash? Uh, I'm going trash with this one, and I know there are a lot of rumors out there with where Brady will land. I just don't think it's the Dallas Cowboys specifically. I know that Andrew Magnuson, listener of the year, would probably be ecstatic with Tom Brady there as his quarterback. I just don't think that Dallas is the landing spot. Does Tom Brady move on from New England? I might go cash on that one. I think that Dallas gets a deal done with Dak. I think that Michael Irvin... It's probably not a credible source, so I'm going trash here. (laughs) Yeah, this one goes in the dumpster. Tom Brady's not playing for the Cowboys, and if that happens, they've made a miserable mistake. You have a good young quarterback and ascending young quarterback in Dak Prescott. Find a way to get a deal done with him. If you can't, you got to franchise him. There's no other option. So I do like that Melo brought up the counterpoint. What would be, you know, cash or trash? Brady staying with the Patriots. And maybe I'm getting fooled by all these little rumors and feelings, but... I'm starting to feel like uh, Brady might be leaving. He might be. I don't yeah. know. What do you think, Matt? Jets fan wishful thinking. Over <laughs> no, he's, I uh, mean, I'm not that scared no. of him when he's 43. I wish he exactly. left 10 years ago. Right. Uh, I So I say trash on Brady to Dallas. I think Dak Prescott's better than Tom Brady right now. Uh, so I, I would keep Dak Prescott. Um, I, I've heard that he's staying, but you know how it is. No one knows anything about New England. People are just talking out of their ass most of the time. All right. How about this one, guys? Joe Burrow does not want to be a Cincinnati Bengal. Okay, I am going to lead this revolt. (laughs) I'm going straight cash, homie, like Randy Moss on this one. I have even read some articles. I've been doing my research here on Tom Condon. I think that come April, Joe Burrow is going to tell the Cincinnati Bengals that he does not want to play for them. I know that there is not a lot out there right now, but I went back and I listened to the Dan Patrick interview, and he's talking about... I really want to go play for a Super Bowl contender. I want to be drafted number one. I didn't remember anywhere in there where he said, I want to go to the Cincinnati Bengals. He said, I want to go drafted number one to a team that will contend for Super Bowls. And I think he was throwing some shade at the Bengals. Like, I know that you're not paying for the scouting department. Uh, you haven't been competitive in a really long time. And he's probably looking down there at Miami with Coach Flores, who got, what, five wins this year with absolute dog shit as a roster? Living on South Beach? Yeah, sign me up. I spent a couple days there for the Super Bowl, and I can't wait to get back. So I'm going cash on this one. I do think that there's something to this Joe Burrow doesn't want to go to Cincinnati thing. I'm going to go trash. Maybe internally Joe Burrow would prefer to not go to Cincinnati, but I don't think he's going to come out and really say anything. I think he's just going to honestly, unfortunately, deal with it. Now, when you look at him going to Miami instead, Chan Gailey's back in the NFL, boys, and Chan Gailey got a historic season out of Ryan Fitzpatrick before with the Jets, a 31-15 and 15 season. So I think that would be a good landing spot for Burrow. I just don't think he has any say in it, and I just don't think he's the kind of guy from a PR perspective that'll stand on the table and say, I'm not playing for you like Eli Manning did many years ago. So I agree with both of you. I, I agree with Melo. He probably doesn't want to be a Bengal, but like Connor said, I think he's too good of a person to say, nah, but 
Would you Tom, expect that of Peyton Manning's little brother, though? No, I wouldn't. But and you're right. I mean, the Manning family is very business savvy. They're very smart. They knew what was going on with the Chargers, and they wanted to get to the New York market. I, who knows? I'll say this: Tom Condon has been an agent as long as I've been alive for a reason. Man who played for the Kansas City Chiefs. Little known fact. And so I wouldn't be surprised if they were like, "Hey, uh, the Bengals are historically bad." And there's two ways to play it. I think we talked about this when the Browns had the first pick. You want that guy who's going to look at the city and say, you're going to build a fucking statue of me because I'm going to turn this thing around. I don't know if the Bengals would do that. Like with the Browns, it's this historic franchise. With the Bengals, it's like, ah, Paul Brown's other team. Cool. So I don't, I don't, I'll say trash on that one. How about this one, guys? Taysom Hill is a starting quarterback in the NFL. I think Taysom Hill has thrown like... 13 passes in the NFL. Less than Muhammad Sanu. And I know that. <laughs> there has been talk that, uh, and not talk, Taysom Hill came out and said, if the Saints don't view him as a franchise quarterback, I might have to leave. This is a gentleman who, for his comp- career, has completed 46.2% of his passes, and that's not good. Um, he has thrown, <laughs> uh, he's thrown 13 passes, completed six. How many has he caught? Uh, that is a good question. 19. Yeah, so he's you ain't caught a quarterback. Yep. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's why I'm going trash with this one. I like Taysom Hill. Uh, the dude tore up Texas when he was at BYU. Uh, did it with one leg even. And I love the way that the Saints use him. I love the way that he plays. There's a reason why he's out there running the football and not prepared to be the second string quarterback. I mean, he was the third string guy behind Teddy Bridgewater. I don't think that the Saints do want to move on from him, but I think, Matt, it might have even been you that was talking about maybe they just want to drive up the cost for him so that they can keep him around for another year or two, see what's happening with Drew Brees, maybe give him some more looks as a second-string quarterback when Bridgewater moves on to go somewhere else. But I'm just going trash here. I I haven't seen enough from him to even really say that he can play the position, let alone be a starter. Like, he might move on. I don't know that there are any teams in the league right now saying, man, we got to go get Taysom Hill. He can change this franchise around. He can come be our starting quarterback. I think a lot of teams might say, we can go get Taysom Hill and see what he's all about because nobody really knows. So I'm going trash. I do not think he's an NFL starter. I'm with you guys as well. He's a great athlete. I, I was looking up. I'm pretty sure at his pro day, I mean, he's a 4-4 kind of guy, almost a 40-inch vertical. I mean, he's a great, yep. great athlete. That does not mean you're an NFL-level starting quarterback. And I think some people have gotten really, you know, uh, drawn into the fun, gadgety plays and that he plays special teams. He can catch the ball. He'll complete a pass, what, once every couple games. So <laughs> I just think it's a little ridiculous. To, and good for Taysom. If he believes he's a starting quarterback, you can come out and say that all you want. But I'm just calling it trash that other teams think you are. I, I agree that it is trash. There are only 32 starting quarterback jobs in the NFL. I love Taysom Hill. Like Melo said, all the different ways he's used. He seemed like this awesome team first guy who just, you need me to block a D end. I'll do it. You need me to run gunner on punt team. I'll do it. Now it's starting to be like, okay, dude, like remember how you got here and, and stay in your lane a little bit. So I'm going <laughs> to say trash. I don't think he's one of the 32 best quarterbacks in football is where I was going with the top. I don't know if he's jobs. one of the top 64. Ooh, we need to get Sims to where's remember Sims used to do <laughs> yeah. the Blake board. Number like I want to see where, where he has Taysom Hill. How about this, guys? Uh, cash or trash? Tua is healthy. Now, Tua had the CT scan earlier this week. Connor and I talked about it on the midweek show. Uh, Ian Rappaport reported that it looked as good as could be. Range of motion was there. The fracture is healed. Cash or trash that our guy, Tua, is healthy? And I'm going trash. 
on this one because who released the report? I'm sure it was an agent. Um, you guys closed out the midweek show talking about baseball, and it's almost baseball season, so I'll throw this nugget at you. How many times have we heard going into spring training, oh my gosh, this player looks so great. He's lost so much weight. He's going to have his best season ever. Every year. It's the same thing in the NFL with every injured player. Oh, God, no, the break? Man, it grew back stronger. He's fine. ACL, got one out of a pig. He's fine. This is just agent speak. This is them getting their player hyped up. So I'm going trash here. I think that hip is probably fucked, and we need to really look at it. So until I see some combine medicals, I'm going trash because I'm not believing what an agent's putting out to Ian Rappaport or Schefter or any of those guys because they're feeding that narrative of, oh, hey, this is what the doctor reported. Like, is it though? We don't know because it's probably coming from an agent. I'm sure they didn't say, here, here's the medical records. Take a look at it. Report whatever you want because there's probably some stuff in there that still says, oh, we're, you know, we're still looking at this, flexibilities at that. So I'm going trash here until I see it from unbiased doctors and unbiased reporters. I'm going trash. Man. Yeah, uh, no, that's a great point. I, no, I'm he's gonna, changing my mind on it. <laughs> no, I'm going to go cash that he is on pace to returning to full form healthy. I think it's something that I said in the midweek show. The most important thing with Tua is right now, do you believe he can stay healthy? Because yeah. you can recover from injuries, but it's very often that you can either re-injure or two is a guy that's been banged up in multiple spots throughout his college career. So that's the most important note for me with Tua. I do think it almost feels like there's so much hype right now that he's healthy where you kind of turn your head and go, is this being hyped up this much for a reason now? Are we starting to get a little hyperbole involved? But I'm a firm believer that, and I'm no doctor, that Tua will make a full recovery. I think the more important question for scouts, GMs, betting their jobs on him, do they believe he can stay healthy over the course of an NFL career or even an NFL season? That's what matters most right now for Tua because if none of these concerns existed, there would be a debate between who should be the number one pick, him and Joe Burrow. And right now, there's no debate at all. Yeah, and like I said, Melo, you you laid out a very strong argument there. I had cash in here just because I maybe because I want to believe that he is healthy. Me too. But I, I will go back to what I was told right after the injury by someone who is a doctor, since the three of us aren't. And he said, you know, like fractures heal. Like uh, that's that's not the hard part. A fracture is going to heal. It was about getting circulation to the femur so that it didn't die. Basically, it was continued to have blood flow. And again, I, I don't understand all the medical stuff. I was a paramedic for about six months and burnout. So not my expertise. <laughs> so I know where the femur is. Exactly. And I'm I know how with hip, the hip. joint works. Yep. But that's what they're saying. It's like the, you know, a fracture is going to heal over time. There was never a question of will the fracture heal? It was what does the hip look like after that? So I think, again, I, Mello said it very, very well. I want to see this from NFL team doctors, not Lee Steinberg, who I mean, is Jerry Maguire, but definitely has a, a biased. Uh, and I hope that Tua is healthy because, uh, yeah. Connor, you're talking about it too, man. If this guy's healthy, he's probably my quarterback one. I yeah, love same. watching him play. Uh, I think that mobility is going to be an issue after that hip because I think that his mobility was a little bit overrated. I think we wanted him to be this dual threat quarterback and he wasn't, but his ability to throw the ball with touch accuracy all over the field, I think was, it was Drew Brees. I still have him comp to Drew Brees. So I hope that two is healthy and I'm rooting for him. Hopefully after the combine, we know he is. Last one, guys. Uh, someone reported that Matt Stafford was on the trade block uh, and they were like, Hey, he's getting traded to uh, who? 
I remember who. Someone. Tampa, maybe? Anyway, there was a rumor that Matt Stafford was on the trade market. Cash or trash, that Stafford is truly on the trade market. I'm going trash. I, I think that's just a lot of money to move. Is he on the trade market? Probably, I guess, because who's not? I mean, if you're making a lot of money, you have a back injury, and somebody comes around and says, hey, we'll give you a first or maybe even a second, yeah, they're probably going to jump on it. But I just don't think that anybody's offering to get Matt Stafford in there right now. I think the Lions are probably right for exploring that, but I just don't think anything's going to happen with that contract. So when I read this in the rundown, I, I looked at it, it just says Stafford trademark, and I didn't know if it was that does he have one or is he on one. <laughs> so I think it's cash that he would definitely have a good trade market. I, I think it's trash that they're trading him right now, but I think it's interesting for the Lions for two reasons. One being that, you know, where's Stafford's health at and do they want to just blow this thing up and get a good a good pick back right now? Because I think you can get one. Yeah, the contract's big, guys, but if he's healthy, his cap number compared to what the quarterback market is going to be pretty soon. Like if Dak Prescott gets what? $37 million a year. And you have Stafford who's hovering between, I mean, he's all over the place. He's between like 22 and 33. It adds up fine. But I think also how many times the Lions going to be picking in the top three? Maybe they're one of the teams monitoring to his health where they're sitting there saying, hey, can we get a first for Stafford right now? Draft Tua if we believe he's healthy and use that extra first as a building block for our roster that has plenty of holes, especially considering we'll see what they do with Darius Slay coming up. So. I'm fascinated by this. I do think he would have one. I don't think they're talking about it externally right now with other teams. It would cost them $30 million to not have him on the team this year. See, that's just, that's not really feasible. Like, you can't trade that because, I mean, they have to pay that even if they trade him. So So can teams eat that money? No, so it's guaranteed. uh, I'm trying to, like, scan this. But basically, his dead cap value is $32 million. So even if he were, no matter what's happened... Either it's a cut or a trade, he would cost $32 million on their cap. So he's he can't go anywhere, basically. <laughs> and I think to even to the people who say, like, well, they should draft Tua. So you have a quarterback who's broken his back two years in a row, and you're <laughs> yeah, going to draft the quarterback with two bad ankles and a bad hip. Not really no. the move for me. In uh, the NFC North. I don't like right. Tua in the NFC North. No, that's like Teddy in the NFC North. Not a great fit. So I'm going to say trash on the fact that he could be traded because – It's just economically not feasible. Okay, let's take a break. Top five is going to be our top five 2017 draftees. This one's going to be fun because it's not as predictable as you might think. We'll be back right after this. We are back on Stick to Football, and we are laughing because Mello called himself uh, Mahomer. Like Mahomes. Very slowly, too. Right? It was good. Everybody always talks about, or I don't know if you guys see it as much as I do, but they'll come at you on Twitter because... We talk about the Kansas City Chiefs a lot, and it's not the fact that I'm a Chiefs fan or a Mahomer. It's just that they're really good at football, so we talk about them. Yeah, well, we talk about the Niners a lot. They, you know, were a throw from Jimmy G away from winning a sixth Super Bowl. That, that's bittersweet. So let's talk about the 2017 draft instead. We each pick our top five draftees from that class. Uh, someone who did not make the list, Solomon Thomas, the number three pick in that draft. <laughs> hey, what about the number two pick? Nor did Mitchell draft. Trubisky, the number two pick in the draft. Uh, so let's just get the, the obvious one out of the way. 
all three of us put Patrick Mahomes at number one overall, a guy who went 10th in that draft. The the story has been told a million times. Brett Veach falls in love with Mahomes during his sophomore year at Tech, convinces Andy Reid he's the quarterback of the future. Andy and then GM John Dorsey execute the trade. They move up to number 10 overall before the draft started. So a little bit of a ballsy move. They move up to number 10 overall. They lie to me and say it's to take Gerard Davis, which I tweeted out there. You guys can find it. And Mahomes fell right <laughs> into their lap. So you're welcome, Brett Veach and John Dorsey and Andy Reid for that. You still owe me. But Mahomes is number one. I think it's gonna it's not it's never be Brady at one ninety nine, but I think for a long time we're gonna look back and say, How the hell did this guy go tenth? Yeah, I I think it's like, oh, how did Jordan go what second? Or third. I think I think we'll look back at it like that too, and I agree with you. Obviously, you're looking at this draft class from 2017, which was a very good one. Mahomes is a Super Bowl MVP. He's a regular season MVP. He's got to be one. I, yeah, there's not really much left to say. Now, I will say I did this list in, like, I tried to match up the value of picks. I didn't just put. The Same. best players on this list. So Miles Garrett will not be on my list, even though he was worth the number one overall pick. But Mahomes, where he went, and considering he's the best player, he's the best football player on the entire planet right now. Uh, it's just a no-brainer at number one for anyone. You can't make this list without him. No. And I did my big board the complete opposite way of you guys, you and went with the just best like the best players. Well, just yeah. explain your picks, and they'll make sense. So number two for me, I went to Sean Watson, uh, another player who the Texans traded up to draft him. He was the third quarterback selected in this class. I, I think if it weren't for what Mahomes and Lamar Jackson did this year. We would be talking so much more about Deshaun Watson. Who, yep. He's one of my favorite players in the NFL. Just the way he closes, his poise. Like you never feel like he's out of a game unless his defense, you know, gives up a 24 point lead at Arrowhead, which has happened before. So I, Watson's just amazing. I think, you know, we're blessed to see this new age of quarterback coming in and the fact that these two guys to both come out of the 2017 class. And neither of our teams drafted a quarterback that year, Connor. So that's a little bit bittersweet. Yeah, good times. Cleveland Browns basically got fired because of this draft because they didn't take one of these guys. But I think Deshaun Watson, you know, unfairly doesn't get the credit he deserves nationally because, you know, first it was, oh, my God, Baker Mayfield. And now it's, you know, Pat and Lamar. Watson deserves a ton of praise as one of the best young quarterbacks in the league. Yeah, I think outside of Mahomes, he's probably my second favorite quarterback in the NFL right now. I love to watch him play. He's my number two guy as well. And, you know, I think right before this draft, we kind of started looking at the quarterback position saying, man, these guys coming out of the spread offense, they just can't play in the NFL like we thought they could. It's not transitioning to the NFL. Guys like Goff and Wentz were getting drafted again. But then this group came along and it's like, oh, holy shit, wait a second. Uh, yeah, you can come from a spread offense in college and be very successful in the NFL. And these guys are doing it. Watson and Mahomes, I think that's going to be I don't really want to call it a rivalry because it seems like there's so much mutual respect there, but I think that's a showdown that we're going to see a lot of with the Texans uh, and Watson and the Chiefs and Mahomes. I agree, and I think that'd be great for football, watching those two go head-to-head for a long time. Number two, I went in a different direction. I went George Kittle here. Pick 146 in that draft. I think he's the best tight end in football. Yes. Uh, 85 catchers and catches are more in both of his last seasons, over a thousand yards in both of his last seasons. He's an incredible blocker. He's an incredible teammate. 
it just doesn't get better than that. I mean, fifth round, pick 146, pro bowler, George Kittle is phenomenal. It's probably, to be honest with you guys, it's probably the best pick of that 49ers era under John Lynch in terms of value and talent. I'm just unbuttoning my shirt over here. You know that is? <laughs> <laughs> What's that? That's a well, you better be on your <laughs> list. George then. Kittle doesn't have one. Uh, <laughs> I love we so the only thing that we actually argue about anymore that real is a real argument is George Kittle versus Travis. Kittle. I had a feeling. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, the YouTube I love George Kittle. He, he's obviously he's he's the second best tight end in the NFL. And I know that we have so many 49er fans that are just going to try to eat my lunch over Twitter. You're not going to change my mind. I love the guy. He's an exceptional blocker. I still think that Travis Kelsey for this year was still a better tight end. So number three on my list, I went Christian McCaffrey here. And and like Connor and Mello said, you guys did your list a little different differently. So when I looked at this, it was McCaffrey went eighth, which was at the time people were like, I can't believe they're drafting a small running back in the top 10. Look at him now. The guy's an all pro. I think he's the best running back in football. Oh, and he's going to add a thousand yards as a receiver every year. But the fact that he went, I mean, Solomon, Tom, Mitch Trubisky, Solomon Thomas, Leonard Fournette, Corey Davis, and Mike Williams went ahead of him. Now, like Jamal Adams going to the Jets at six. I loved Jamal. I, I was backing that pick all day. But the fact that McCaffrey, who should have won a Heisman Trophy at Stanford, went this late, the guy has just been, if you can say a top 10 pick has been disrespected, McCaffrey has been disrespected every step of the way from Stanford, even to now, when people talk about, oh, best running backs, it's Derrick Henry and Nick Chubb. Fuck, no, it's not. It's Christian McCaffrey's adding 2,000 yards Every year to that offense. With Kyle With Allen. Kyle Allen. Yes. <laughs> With Kyle Allen. How is Christian McCaffrey not, you know, there's that little thing like pick a, a, a quarterback, running back receiver that, you know, it's like, uh-huh. how is anyone not picking Christian McCaffrey? That's my rant. I, I really like Christian McCaffrey, too. So I, I agree with you. He didn't make my list. Because you're crazy. Uh, because I did it differently. I went with, like, the top five guys I would like to have from that draft, which is why number three for me is Miles Garrett, because he's a pass rusher, and I think the positional value goes there instead of a running back. So I love Christian McCaffrey. Would I love to have him on my team? Of course. But I think to win games, you have to get after the quarterback. We talked about Miles Garrett. He's reinstated which means he's one of the best edge rushers in the NFL uh, in Cleveland, dominating the AFC North. I, I love the guy. When we're talking about Chase Young this year, the standard that he's held against has been Miles Garrett. Well, is he Miles Garrett? How does he compare with this? Because that's what Miles Garrett, he's the prototypical pass rusher, and he's been produ- productive. So I got to take him here at three. I know you guys kind of did your boards differently, but if I'm looking back at that draft class and you say, okay, take five guys, Miles Garrett's going to be one of them for, I think, all five of them. Well, I like that we did it differently because it it shows, I mean, you're not getting the same list over and over again. You're getting, you know, the top five players that you'd want, the top five value picks. And then Matt did a little bit of mix of both. So for me here at number three, it's Deshaun Watson. You guys both had him at two. I mean, the Texans, they did have to trade up to get him, but he's so good. You got him at 12. Uh, the league overthought this guy. Uh, there's no other way around it. It's unbelievable how much they overthought him. I guess it was concerns over injuries, which did happen early on in his career there. But he's the type of quarterback that can go out and win you games on his own. And he's done that at times. Uh, All-world character and leader, but also all-world talent. And I, I, as long as he could stay healthy, besides Mahomes, this could go down as the best pick of this entire 2017 draft. Especially when you think that the Browns got Jabril Peppers. Like, 
that was what they did with that pick. So <laughs> good job, guys. Number four uh. for me. My man, Alvin Kamara, still one of the best interviews we have ever had on Stick to Football. He is a unique personality. This past year, I think people forgot a little bit how great Kamara is because of injury, but he he fell all the way to 67 overall. New Orleans trades up with San Francisco. So thanks again to my team for not taking, not only did you not take Mahomes or Watson, you didn't take Alvin Kamara. Thank God the fifth round pick that we're going to get to in a little bit, save the draft for them. But Kamara, when healthy, is just such a stud. I think he and McCaffrey are exactly what we look for when we evaluate running backs now. You know, with DeAndre Swift, guys like that, it's you got to be able to catch the ball. You got to have inside outside zone speed. Kamara is the total package when he's healthy. Yeah, and you really like running backs. I like pass rushers. So I'm going with TJ Watt. Well, not if I was building a team. I'd right. Well, uh, yeah. I'm going with TJ Watt. You talk about another guy that's not really getting the respect that he deserves. TJ Watt has been exceptional. And I know that a lot of people wanted to talk about him uh, because he is the younger Watt brother. And I can relate to that. But he's also the better Watt brother. And I can also relate to that. Uh, Ooh, 14 wow. and a half sacks last season. God damn. 13 sacks the year before that. This guy is is shining, but people aren't recognizing him because that goddamn popular older brother that he has. But T.J. Watt is a great edge rusher, one of the best in the league, uh, fell to the Steelers. I think he's a great fit there and a great player. You're Derek Watt if you're a Watt brother. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. You never want to be Derek Watt, that's for sure. Oh, man. He's still playing in the NFL more than us, though. But right, number four, Eddie Jackson for me. Uh, this goes back to my argument with Kittle. Eddie Jackson was taken in the fourth round. Round, pick 112 and all he's really done is made plays especially his second year in the league when he really broke out six interceptions two forced fumbles he actually brought two of the interceptions back to the house on pick sixes so to get a free safety like Eddie Jackson that late in the draft that was a phenomenal pick by the Bears and you know one of the reasons uh, Ryan Pace probably still has a job to be honest with you when you can get a guy like that that late at the safety position for now for now <laughs> That's the job for now at Your tweet five, will resurface again, Matt. You know what's funny about that tweet? He's <laughs> gone the full cycle. Of, I know. It's amazing. Know, it might it's my be favorite tweet, tweet on Twitter. Be- because, you know, the, so the famous tweet right after the Bears draft, a good friend of mine who is very high in an NFL front office texted me and said, Ryan Pace just got fired with this draft. And I said, can I tweet that? He's like, fuck, yes, you can. So I did. It's funny because then people assigned it to me, making it my opinion. And I was like, what? Nope. It's in quotes. Not me. And then Ryan Pace was exec of the year. And people are like, your friend's an idiot. He should be fired. Now Ryan Pace, not as good of his job. And people are like, hey, is that exec available to be our new GM? It's my favorite tweet ever. Number five for me, though, the guy who has probably saved John Lynch's job, at least in terms of drafting, is George Krieger Kittle. Our guy from Iowa, I, so I loved him in the draft. I know uh, Connor was working with me that weekend, the 2017 draft. I was te- like literally texting teams on day three, like draft George Kittle. Like what? What are we waiting for? He goes round five to the Niners. Incredibly happy for him because he did land in a great fit. He's an athlete. He's a blocker. He is a supersized personality, which I love that we're getting that from the tight ends in the NFL now. It's not this Jay Novacek boring stuff anymore. I'm a George Kittle guy, two-time Pro Bowler, All-Pro the last two years. I personally think he's the best tight end of football because he gives you a lot more yards after catch ability. I will say Kelsey's better in the red zone. But George Kittle at 146, one of the bigger steals in the draft. And oh, by the way, a guy who went to high school in Norman, Oklahoma, 
did not go to Oklahoma. He went to Iowa, so I like him for that too. Yeah, smart man. That's what it sounds like to me. Uh, number five for me, I'm going with Tredavious White. Uh, the Buffalo Bills traded the number 10 overall pick that the Kansas City Chiefs used to draft Patrick Mahomes. And nobody talks about, oh my God, the Bills are so stupid. They passed on Patrick Mahomes. That's because they got an elite cornerback in Tredavious White in place of him and some other kickback picks as well. So a very good move by a guy who's developing into one of the best corners in football. Last year had six interceptions. Uh, looks like he is on pace to be one of those guys that, you know, we start talking about best corners in the NFL. I think in a couple of years, a year or two, Tredavious White's name is going to be up there. Yeah, I was I very torn, very torn between uh, Trey White and my number five player, Jamal Adams. I went with Jamal Adams because I'm a Jets fan that all I do on this show is praise everything the Bills do under Brandon <laughs> Bean. So I took a break for that for one segment <laughs> and go with Jamal Adams at number five. I mean, I really think he was the best safety in football this year while Derwin James was hurt, Earl Thomas, you know, coming back and it, it wasn't exactly himself, still a really good player. But this opened the door for Adams to establish himself as the best safety in football. Football, which I think he has. And like you said, Melo, I think for Trey White, yeah, he's a guy that's trying to establish himself as the best corner, and, and he's not far behind Steph Gilmore. So when you look at both these guys in the secondary in the AFC East, they were great picks that year. A lot of fun the 2017 draft was. It really was. Uh, it'll be f- I, we need to do this, uh, I think, over the summer, and I know I always say, over the summer, we need to do this. I want to start going back and grading drafts, especially ones that we've all worked, not just making fun of my 2013 Luke Jokel love, but like, you know, digging into like 16, 17, yeah. I mean, grading some drafts. Marshawn Latimer, Marlon Humphrey were in this draft. We Juju. didn't even talk about them. Buda Baker. I really like Buda Baker. Calvin, uh, Dalvin Cook in this draft. I mean, three really good running backs. Joe Mixon. Yeah, it's a good draft. And then you have the Niners getting Sama Thomas, Reuben Foster. There you go. Good year, good year for go. us. OJ Howard hasn't lived up to the hype we had for him. Yeah. It's, it was a weird year, a really weird year. It was. All right, let's take a break. Draft on Draft is up right after this. It is Draft on Draft time. Man, I really should have grabbed a beer tonight for Draft on Draft because dry February lasted till the 13th, <laughs> and it started on, like, the 6th. So go very me. true. Hey, I have I have not had a beer all week. So uh, Yeah, I had a rough go week. Me. So first question, here's the guy who needs a beer. No name on this one. What is your take <laughs> on how to deal with with a breakup. This is not me. Just lost my college sweetheart of three years, and your podcast feels like the only thing to look forward to every week. Number Damn. one, we are sorry, but number two, you're welcome uh, that we could be there for you <laughs> to get you through this time. Uh, at, so I've actually only been broken up with once, and it was when my wife left me for the landlord. That's a true Sick story. brag. <laughs> right? <laughs> That's sort of got a true story. I was there. It happened. Yeah. But I, I think the, the Did move you fight is, him? Like you, I, I would have, but he was 40 years old, and I didn't want to break his hip. So that's fair. I was like 23. He was 40. Come on. Uh, so what I would say is do like you're doing with the podcast. Surround yourself with, you know, with friends, with things that, that make you happy. Um, it feels like every time I go through a breakup, I just start buying random shit. Um, if you are, can do that, I recommend it. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, I do that I even mean, when I'm happy. So <laughs> I wish I could yeah, get on your guys level. Uh, I attached myself to friends like when i got divorced my wife slept with a co-worker and i just started hanging out with friends and drinking a lot which i don't recommend you do because not everybody handles their alcohol like i do uh, i drink a lot because when i drink i get incredibly happy some people when they drink get really angry. depressed and down or <laughs> yeah, angry don't do that that's not me when i drink 
I get happy. Uh, so find what makes you happy for me. It was going out and getting hammered ass drunk with my buddies. Uh, so find what makes you happy and just do more of that. Uh, I would say embrace your freedom that you have because anybody who's ever been in a relationship, male or female, you know that you don't have a whole lot of freedom. Just go run with that. You have all the freedom. You do whatever you want right now and enjoy it. I was going to say, if this person has been in a relationship since college, I mean, use this time as the first time in your life yeah. as an adult to go do what you want. Like, if, you, if you're in, like, a serious relationship since college, you have no idea what it's like to just go do whatever the hell you enjoy. Also, you know, I don't know what fields you work in, but it's a good time to maybe put more focus on work and fun. So I know it's hard to, to sit there and say, oh, this is a positive, but there's a lot of positives you could take from that as well, especially this person's talking about their college sweetheart. I would imagine they're pretty young. Yeah, I mean, I got married around that age, and and it did not last long thanks to that landlord. But I will say, I didn't know myself. Do baby, <laughs> right? Uh, I didn't know myself, and so you know, you might be in a similar spot where now you can go do the things that you enjoy. Do you ever send him a thank you card? <laughs> uh, no, I, I do see him occasionally because they still wow. live in our hometown. So he's and- old now. Yeah, I mean, yeah, <laughs> like, retired. Yeah, 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 right. Um, you know, they had a couple kids together. I think they're happy. You know, good for them. It wasn't a good fit. Uh, I would not have bad got scheme to, fit. to exactly bad. Good player, bad scheme. Uh, would not have got to where I am right now. With same, if like, I'd been in that marriage, I think you can take that advice too. Because looking back on it at the time when we both got cheated on, it was like, oh my god, this sucks. This is so terrible. Now, like I, I see my ex wife all the goddamn time, and I, I want to go up to that guy and shake his hand and be like, you know what? You've given me the best four years of my life, man. Thank you very much. You took all this pressure off of me. You freed up every other weekend for the rest of my life. I owe you so much. I might hug him the next time I see him. Yeah, Seth, I love you. Happy Valentine's Day, folks. (laughs) Right? Right, by the way. Yeah, happy Valentine's Day. All right, Troy Crawford with a football question. What do you think the Chiefs could get in return for Chris Jones? Would it be similar to what they gave up to get Frank Clark last year? I think that's a really good example. Um, If they do the tag and trade on Chris Jones, I think the conversation starts at a first rounder um, and it it could get more complicated. It could get to, you know, a first and a second and you kick back a third or uh, there's a lot of different ways to structure this deal. But if that's the route the Chiefs go and I'm starting to lean that way and think that that's what they do, then I I think you can look at the Frank Clark trade and say, okay, this is what worked last year. Chiefs sent a, a 2019 first the Seahawks sent back a second, I believe uh, I'm trying to find this deal and to have the exact details. But I think that's a, a pretty good look at it because if you're Seattle is one of those teams that actually even makes sense to do this with Seattle will then have to sign Chris Jones. So you usually don't get as much back like the Chiefs wouldn't get as much back because they know that Seattle then has to sign him. So, yeah, it was Seattle uh, got a first rounder, the Chiefs second rounder and a swap of third round picks. So it was actually a lot. Damn. That is. It's a big cost. I think you're probably right. That's the starting point. I don't think that there are many teams in the top of the first half and the first round that are going to be after Chris Jones. But you start to look at some of these teams that are picking late in the first round, like the Seahawks, that maybe say, okay, yeah, we'll take a chance on a guy like Chris Jones who's still very young and very productive in the league. And I think the Chiefs are going to look at it and say, wait, we can fill two 
of our holes in the first round uh, or use that to move up uh, to get one of these really good corners or, or to be in play for Patrick Queen. I think that this is kind of a win-win uh, for everybody except for Chris Jones, who won't get to win the Super Bowl next year. <laughs> I think it would be really hard for me as a GM to execute a trade for a franchise tag player in this state of football. You would have to be in like a situation where you just have an abundance of cap space that you're not even going to hit the cap floor because to give up those kind of assets for a player and get a player that is not on a rookie deal that needs to get paid. Like Chris Jones is going to get what? $80 million guys. Yeah. I mean, he's going to probably get close to 20 a year. Yeah. So I, I think if the the Chiefs should definitely tag and trade him if they're not going to keep him. But on the flip side of it, I personally would not often trade for tagged players because it's a double whammy in terms of how much you're giving up, money and picks. The Miami Dolphins have $94 million in cap space. They have Perfect the 26th example. pick in round one, and Chris Jones is from... Mississippi. Mississippi. Never mind. I was close. Oh, I almost had it. But they should. That's a good they, move. For they them. could consider it if they trade twenty six for Chris Jones. Yeah, I mean, probably more than that. But this guy is twenty five, almost twenty six. He's still young. I I also don't know if Kansas City is going to be as eager to move on from him as everybody thinks he is. This guy was exceptional in the Super Bowl uh, when healthy. I mean, he was banged up all year. So you can look at his stats and say, oh, man, he, he had a down year this year. I mean, the guy was injured. He was playing hurt a lot and still had nine sacks this season. In the regular season, yeah. Playoffs, right. and, and then, I mean, just the year before, 2018, the guy had 15 and a half sacks. I think he's probably the number two interior defensive lineman in the entire NFL right now. There could be a market for him if the Chiefs do want to move on. Yeah, and to your point, I think there's a lot of people like, oh, Sammy Watkins is gone, Chris Jones is gone. I think we might see a, a, an effect here where people want to play with Mahomes. And they want to win Super Bowls because you know that like you're not making the Hall of Fame without a couple Super Bowl rings and things like that. So I, I think there's a there's gonna be a draw to keep people in Kansas City. Next question from Justice Straub. Out of the current top five players on your big board, who would you be most and least surprised to see bust in the NFL? Um so my top five, I actually have to pull up because uh, I have a million tabs open and none of them. Chase Young, Joe Burrow, Jeff Akuda, Jerry Judy, Isaiah Simmons. I would be least surprised if Isaiah Simmons busted because he is a great athlete, but he does not have a true position. And I know I'm not saying he's a bad player. Obviously, he's number five overall. We've said before his position should be defense. But if he goes somewhere where they don't know how to use him, I think Simmons could be a guy that we're like, do you guys remember Aaron Curry? Oh yeah, yeah. Wake Forest. It looks like it looks like he was he was a like lock this. to be good. Lock, mm-hmm. terrible. And so with Simmons, it's like man, if he went somewhere where they didn't know how to use him, I could see him not working out. And that's actually why I'm going to say, I love Isaiah Simmons. I could see him being a bust. I could see the New York Giants drafting him and not protecting him uh, with good defensive line player, just plugging him in at middle linebacker, and it not working out. Because I think the one hole in his game is he doesn't disengage from blockers. Exceptional ability to read the offense and and use his athleticism to make tackles and sacks and interceptions. But I think if a team just sits there and plugs him in at middle linebacker, we could see a couple years where he's just not very productive because that's not the role that he's used to playing. And uh, sometimes you get a guy and you draft him to play a different position than what he's used to. But I really think that 
the right situation is going to make or break Isaiah Simmons much more than it will any of these other guys, much more than it would you know, Jerry Judy or Derek Brown or Jeff Okuda because that linebacker, there's so many different roles that he could play. Or maybe a team drafts him and says, all right, now you're a safety. Let's cut some weight and play safety full time. So I'm going to say most likely to bust out of my top five. I'm going to say Isaiah Simmons. Uh, my top five is Chase Young, Joe Burrow, Jeff Okuda, Jerry Judy, and Tua. And, and the answer is obvious. Unfortunately, it's Tua because of long-term injury concerns. And mm-hmm. I love Tua's talent, and it goes to show you how much I love Tua's talent. I still have him as the fifth overall player. But, I mean, guys, would anyone be surprised if it, it ends up being a Sam Bradford kind of situation? Oh yeah. I, oh, yeah. I mean, in three years, I wouldn't be surprised if he has to be I, out of the league. Yeah, I would hate that to happen. But you just can't sit here and act surprised. Yeah. And then I, it's tough, man. I feel good about some players in this class. Like, I, I feel really good about Akuda transitioning. Same. Ju- Judy, I, I actually, do you, guys, do you guys think Judy's the safest player in this class? I think Chase Young is. Okay. I, worst case scenario, Chase Young is going to get after the quarterback. Like his weakness is run support. Worst case scenario, he's a speed rusher who's going to get home. So, yeah, I, but I think it's like I think young Akuda and Judy are incredibly safe because Judy has been so overthought in this process. I know it's like I he had two body catch or body drops and people like, oh, he can't catch. No, sir. The man can catch. <laughs> he's yeah. fine. Yeah. And uh, guy has a bad game and people start dropping him down the board. No. Nah, yeah. He's solidly uh, up there for me. So if I had to pick what I would be most surprised if Chase Young busted. And I say that even knowing, I think outside of quarterback, edge rusher does bust the most. But his, man, I, I almost feel like his floor different. is Miles Garrett. Yeah, I mean, watching him play, and we didn't get to see Nick Bosa in his junior year at Ohio State, so we can't compare it there. But what Chase Young did his junior year at Ohio State was one of the best defensive seasons I've ever seen for watching college football for the last 30 years. Uh, I really don't expect Chase Young to bust. I think that he's going to be a guy that makes a couple Pro Bowls, probably leads the league in sacks at least once, if not more than that. I, I just don't see a world where Chase Young is a bust. Yeah, he's been is undervalued. I know it's crazy to say, but he's he's been undervalued. All right, this next question from uh, Eamon Morrissey. Had he been healthy, would Dylan Moses have been ranked higher than Isaiah Simmons? Nope. And I like Dylan Moses a lot. And when we thought he was going to come back, I think he was in my top 12. Um, I would still look at Dylan Moses and say, this guy who's been pretty banged up. And I, I think had we had more time to get into his tape, you'd have to go back to 2018. I think there would have been enough deficiencies and not the elite athleticism. He doesn't move like it, Simmons. No, some of it's just preference. Like, uh, I think Dylan Moses would have been pretty close to Devin Bush for me as a prospect. It's like, really good linebacker, but not, I'm stealing this. I saw it on Reddit, which I usually read for conspiracy theories, but I saw it about the draft. They called the guy a presidential prospect. So, like, every four to eight years, you know, a guy comes around that's special. I think the Isaiah Simmons athleticism is that, you know, we're just not going to see guys like that. Hell, we can't even compare him to anybody, mm-hmm. you know, because he's so rare. Yeah, you can barely figure out what position the guy is actually playing. I think that one of my super talents is actually being able to watch Clemson and finding Isaiah Simmons very quickly. Yeah, I, I'm getting very good at it because I just I keep going back and watching the guy's film. Like, I, I think I'm finally starting to diagnose it. So as as far as, you know, some of the other linebackers go like a Dylan Moses, 
I don't know what Dylan Moses could have shown us this year to catch Isaiah Simmons because Patrick Queen was very good, and we're not talking about him in the Isaiah Simmons mold yet. Kenneth Murray made like every tackle for Oklahoma, and we're not talking about him. I mean, that guy's ridiculously fast. He weighs in at 230 pounds. He's just not Isaiah Simmons, and that's nothing against any of these guys. They are all, I think, probably first-round linebacker talent. Isaiah Simmons is just the unicorn, which we've been calling him for a while now. There's his comp. A unicorn. All right, Jeremy Gowden, last question. Is this year's running back class low-key deeper than the wide receiver class? Not for it's, me. Yeah, I'd say it's deep, but it's not that deep. Um, I think the running back class, I, actually, I, I have a, my ranking sorted if my page would stop freezing. I have so many right, wide receivers listed as draftable. Running back for me dries up a little bit after, like, Keyshawn Vaughn. So like the top hundred players at running back or the running backs in my top hundred are all really good. But after that, like I like Javon Leak, but I, I'm not like super excited about him. So, I mean, he's my one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. He's my eighth running back. My eighth wide receiver is a first rounder. So that's, that's what I was going to say. Like, I love the four top running backs, Swift, sure. Taylor, Dobbins, uh, Edwards, Hilaire. I really like all those guys. And I think they could be very productive in the NFL, that's my top four. You go to my number five receiver, you got guys like Justice Jefferson, Justin Jefferson, Shay Nault, Hamler, Donovan Peoples Jones, Ayuk, Von Jefferson. There's a lot of really good receivers in this class. Is the running back class deep? Yeah, like those four guys are exceptional. I think any one of them could be the number one running back in a given class. But this receiver class is probably the deepest position group I've ever seen. I do think it drops off differently. You know, you said those four guys, Mello. I would add Cam Akers into that group. Yep. Yeah. But after that, it's you make a great point that the wide receivers, it doesn't drop off like that. I mean, we sit there and we keep tiering them, right? You have Judy, C.D. Lamb. I think Ruggs is almost in that top tier as well. But then you get into this. It's crazy. T. Higgins, Justin Jefferson, yeah. LaVisca Chenault. But then you get into like some people are going to value because they value speed. K.J. Hamler and Jalen Rieger in, the, in mm-hmm. that back end of round one as well or early round two. Donovan Peoples-Jones, after the combine, people's heads are going to explode, and they're going to be like, why didn't this guy do more at Michigan? This show has been telling you for years that Shea Patterson sucks, and that's why. So get Donovan Peoples-Jones into that conversation. I don't have the same feeling with the running back group. There will always be guys on day three. Some are even the smaller guys like J.J. Taylor and Anthony McFarlane. Somebody will shake out from that pack and be a really nice player, but wide receiver is, is unusually ridiculous this year. I have 10 receivers in my top 50 overall players and 19 in my top 100. I've never, ever seen anything like that. And I am I like to think I'm a pretty tough critic when it comes to receivers. Uh, this year is just, it's special. So, so let me ask a follow-up question then. Because the history of the NFL draft, we can usually figure out like, okay, this many receivers usually get drafted. This many quarterbacks usually get drafted in the first round. Do you think we're just going to see an extreme outlier for number of receivers that get drafted this year? Not in the first round, but just on day one through seven. I no, I still think it'll be right around 30 to 35, which I mean, sucks. Cause there are guys like, uh, you scroll down the list. There's you guys like, uh, like Marquez Callaway from Tennessee. Most years, if the off-field's good, that guy probably gets drafted. I don't know if he does this year. Omar Bayless, Arkansas State, sure. ton of production. He might not get drafted. So it's I can't see 42 receivers getting drafted like no. a lot of people want to happen. I think yeah, the number it, spikes on day two. Like last year, 
on day two, there was only 11 receivers drafted. I think it'll be higher this year. I agree. And I say only 11. I think that's actually a lot because when you go back to the year before that, there was only eight receivers drafted on day two. Yep. So last year, the receiver run started a little bit late. So I think this year it starts earlier. But, I mean, we've talked about there's going to be a decent amount of quarterbacks drafted this year, which is nice and new. I still think there's going to be, did you say quarter? Quarters and corner. I think there's going to be four quarterbacks taken in the first round. Yeah, me so. too. Imagine if Eason sneaks in. Yeah, I mean, he could at the back end of the first round. Somebody's, I don't even think it would be a surprise. At this no, point. I mean, it yeah. would shock yeah. me yeah. if it happened on draft What if Jalen Hurts goes round one? Uh, that I would be like, what the hell's going on? I hope on? it does. I think, I mean, we'll tear it apart, but I hope it, I hope it happens. Rashad Penny in the first round. That's yeah. what that would be. <sighs> I've learned my lesson about being surprised. Just My lesson is don't ever be surprised. It just is ridiculous. And they'll probably invite him to the draft. All right, that is our show. Again, no show Monday. Enjoy President's Day. Uh, spend a day thinking about your favorite president. Ooh, guys, favorite president. You have one? Obama. Huh. Yeah, same with me. <laughs> I haven't okay. been alive for that many of them <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? I, that I, I cared about. I three to choose from. So right? yeah, it's I didn't two really messed up. I even meant, like, I didn't mean just that you were alive for, just in Matt, history. Not all of us read <laughs> yeah, historical biographies of presidents. I don't know shit about the other presidents. So only the ones I was around for in Obama power ranking, number one out of, I don't want to throw, like, a name out there and be like, wait, this guy really fucked up. And, like, he <laughs> right. was for slavery. And exactly. I'm like, oh, well, I just thought he was had a cool name. You say Andrew Jackson, people are like... Look what he did to the Native Americans. Yeah, so yeah, you got to be careful. Mine would be FDR. So uh, apparently this is a, a very liberal podcast. Two Obamas and an FDR. We'll be back Wednesday. Talk to you guys then.